Good morning, everyone. We are beginning a new series today entitled The Second Coming. Uh, we uh, l- I looked through a bunch of messages that I've done over the years that we've been here, and it's been too long since we've talked about uh, the second coming. We need to remind ourselves of a number of important uh, things when it comes to Christ's return. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks uh, during the month of March here really talking about hey, what's it going to be like when Christ returns, and how do we get prepared for that? So today inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled the rapture. And we're going to be talking about that today, what the Bible says about this, and um, how we're supposed to respond to that information. In fact, point one on your outline is simply this. It gets us in the right frame of understanding on this, that Jesus promised his disciples that he would one day return to take them home. This is an exciting promise to the disciples. Jesus told them about this when he, in the context, it was right before Easter, so it's good we're talking about this right before Easter ourselves here, because Jesus told them that he was going to suffer and die at the hands of some very wicked people, that he was going to be punished for the sins of the whole world, he would be buried, crucified, buried, and he would rise again and ascend to heaven, and he would go and prepare everything for them. And when everything was ready, he'd come back and get them. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus told them. Right after they heard about his beatings and crucifixion and death and all this, they were deeply troubled. And he said, well, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to go prepare a place for you? Now, when everything's ready, I'm going to come and get you so that you will always be where I am. And the disciples were like, oh, Well, that changes things. I mean, there's nothing like getting ready for a homecoming. I I remember studying in school at the end of a semester. I'd have all these finals in college, and I was studying uh, and studying and studying, and my brain was all wrapped around this. And there'd be uh, winter break when you were going home for Christmas. My mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters. Well, I wasn't too excited about seeing my brother. But anyway, everybody else... Uh, no, we, I was excited about going home because there'd be all this food and it'd be all this fun and I wouldn't have any of those problems that I've been dealing with with all the finals anymore. That was over. I was going home. And if you can remember what it was like at a time when you've been away from home for a long time and you'd go home. My mom could cook. I mean, she would cook a mountain of food and I did my best to conquer that mountain. Okay, I would eat all I could. And I could not wait to go home. When we talk about the rapture today, I want you to think about it in that context. There is a day coming soon when Jesus will come to take all of the Christians in the world home. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. We're going home to heaven. All those things are gone. I have good news for you today. Jesus is coming back. He's been getting everything ready for us, and he's coming soon. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I just I pray that you would allow us to marinate in this just for a second, that, Lord, every time we feel like, man, this world is so messed up, there are so many problems, every time we are deeply longing to be reunited with those we love, every time that we are aching For things to be made right, Lord, your heart is bursting for us to bring us home to a place where we'll experience peace and joy 
and love forevermore. I wanted to get home to my parents, and they wanted me home. And God, if I understand just a little glimpse of that, what's it going to be like in heaven? What's it going to be like when Jesus comes? Oh, Lord, open our minds to these things. Show us, how, uh, show us what your word says about the second coming. And, Lord, I pray that show us how we can be ready for that. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Move me out of the way, Lord. Say whatever you want said today. Amen. Point two in your outline, the day Jesus returns to take believers home is known as the rapture. That's what the rapture is. It's the day when Jesus comes to make good on that promise. They told the disciples, hey, I'm going to come get you. Paul talks about it in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 16, starting with that. We'll start there in verse 16 for now. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. And if you'd circle the words commanding shout, I'm going to come back to those in a minute. Commanding shout. In just a minute. Uh, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves, and then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever, so encourage each other with these words. When you look at the words, go back one slide on this if we could, but it's like that, um, uh, go uh, forward one more. There we go. That's the one I wanted. Uh, caught up. Those two words, caught up, you'll see a little uh, note there that caught up just means snatch away. And in Latin, the, the verb that's used for snatch away one form of that verb is rapturo, which is where we, where we get the word rapture. So every now and then you will see um, things on the internet or other things. The word rapture, rapture isn't true. The word rapture isn't even in the Bible. Well, no, not in English. But the verb form of it in Latin is. In Latin, it would be, um, I can't pronounce all the verb forms, but this would be the uh, future participle. Okay, um, And it is rapturo, and it just means to snatch away. And there will come a day, Paul says, when Jesus is going to make good on his promise and he will snatch away all the believers and we'll be reunited with those who have died ahead of us and we'll meet the Lord in the air. It's a supernatural event and it's coming. So that's what the rapture is. Now, it's interesting also, if you look in the dictionary, there's all these definitions for, there are several definitions for rapture. One is it's an intense pleasure or joy or it can mean being carried away with an overwhelming emotion, like rapturous joy. And then I did a little Google search to see what would come up first. And out of the top five, here were three of the top five things that came up when I searched for rapture. A chocolate rapture brownie recipe on cooks.com. And then another one was Chapman's dark chocolate rapture yogurt. So apparently rapture is a lot like chocolate. Okay, that's what we know that it'll transport you away. Now, those must be some brownies if they are like chocolate rapture brownies. Anyway, but the idea is, is that this is so good. Well, why would it be so good? Because this is the day when Jesus comes back to take us home. We all get to go home. It's going to be a wonderful day, a glorious day. We will be transported and transformed. To meet the Lord in the air, together with all those who've gone before us. A couple of important things to understand about the rapture. Point A, at the rapture, we know, we know some things from Scripture. 
First of all, at the rapture, Jesus will return from heaven in the same way the disciples saw him go. We learn this uh, from the beginning of the book of Acts. When Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, the sequel to it is the book of Acts. And so uh, Luke kind of just ends with Jesus' death and resurrection when he picks it up again in Acts where Jesus is giving some final instructions to his disciples. After the resurrection, he remained on earth for about 40, for 40 days. And he gave a lot of instructions to the disciples. And then after that time, he ascended into heaven. Well, here's, what, here's the way Luke records this. He said, uh, he's quoting Jesus here, speaking to the disciples, disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, Jesus was taken up in a, in a, into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And they, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So we know that when Paul is talking about that we'll meet the Lord in the air, the Lord is coming back the same way the disciples saw him go, in the clouds. And we're going to join him there. So we know that's going to be part of this day. Here's another thing we know. Point B, at the rapture, believers who are still living will be reunited with the believers who have died. I mean, I read this to you before that it says there, first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves, and then together with them who are alive and remain, we'll meet them there. Well, this is a little, these are a couple of verses before this, before what I read in 1 Thessalonians 4. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you won't grieve like people who have no hope. Paul, in his letters, is responding to questions that he's had. And so there were people in that church in Thessalonica who believed in Jesus' coming. And you'll see as we go through this, Jesus told his disciples to always be ready for his coming. And so they expected that Jesus could come back any day, and rightfully so. But some of them had died, and there were people saying, well, if you died, then you missed out on the second coming. And Paul said, no, it doesn't work that way at all. Listen to what he said again. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who've died so you won't grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. And so we're going to be reunited with the people who've gone before us, our loved ones. Uh, Tommy, you got that picture that I sent you earlier this week? There was, um, yeah, this is a picture of a cemetery in Kansas. Um, this looks like Kansas, I hope, okay? <laughs> Except there's trees here, and that's kind of unusual. But anyway, um, it's very flat and other things. This is a cemetery out in the middle of central Kansas. It's a cemetery where my parents are buried, my grandparents are buried, my mom and dad's, the tombstone for them is right here. My grandparents are down here. A lot of other loved ones are there. When Jesus returns, we're going to be reunited in the air. I cannot wait for that day. All of the believers who have ever died, we're going to meet them in the air. There's going to be a loud trumpet blast. And it says... The dead in Christ will, be, will rise first. I mean, it's with a loud shout. 
had you marked that before. It was so interesting because in a number of the commentaries, they pointed out that when uh, the Lord himself comes down with a commanding shout, they tied it together with, uh, many of you are familiar with the story of uh, when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, they, uh, uh, his sisters, Mary and Martha, were grieved because Jesus didn't show up for a few days until Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. And they were grieved because he'd been sick, and they'd sent word to Jesus while he was sick, and Jesus had delayed in coming so that um, they would understand that he indeed is life itself, that he holds the keys to the grave. And um, so when he gets there, they're grieving, and they're saying, Lord, why didn't you come sooner? And they said, well, don't you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? And they said, well, yeah, on the last day. And they said, no, no, I am the resurrection and the life right now. And they walked out to the tomb and after he had prayed a prayer, it says that Jesus stood in front of the tomb and he shouted, Lazarus, come out! And they had rolled away a stone from the tomb and the dead man came out, still wearing burial clothes. And a lot of the commentaries point out it was significant that Jesus said, Lazarus, come out! Because if he hadn't said specifically Lazarus, every single person in the cemetery would have come out. When Jesus returns... For his faithful ones, all those who have died in Christ, he will come with a commanding shout, come out! And how many graves will be opened of believers? All of them. Come out! It's over. Everything's ready. And now you know why this is rapturous joy. Man, when I took that picture of those tombstones, that was a couple of years ago when I took this photo. I just remember just standing there, memories of my, if you'd have known my mom's dad, my grandfather, oh, I loved that guy. I loved grandpa. And he loved the Lord. I cannot wait to talk to him. I was just a kid when he died. I cannot wait to talk to him. And my mom and my dad again. And if you understand that ache in your heart, I mean, that's just one small part of it. We will see Jesus face to face. It's going to be amazing. We're going home. Snatched away. That's the rapture. Point C, at the rapture, believers will also receive brand new bodies that will never die again. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15. He'd been asked a question of, well, well okay, so if believers die, what, what kind of bodies do they have in heaven? I mean, how does that work? And he explains some of that, and actually in your outline, I'll give you the full text there, a little more of it, and I'll come back in a second, but let me just jump in where he talks about those of us who are alive. Here's what he says. He says, 1 Corinthians 15, 50, our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies of ours cannot inherit what will last forever. I mean, our mortal bodies weren't designed to live forever. And every year I'm convinced that that is true, okay? This, this one I got, it's breaking down, and it's 
harder and harder. Well, no, that's, I'm going on. Okay, anyway, uh, these dying bodies cannot inherit will last forever, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. Here's what he talks about the rapture, but we will all be transformed, and it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when that last trumpet is blown. That's exactly what he said here. There would be a trumpet blast and a commanding shout. When that last trumpet is blown, when that trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And then listen, this is where you and I come in. And we who are alive and remain, just what he said here in 1 Thessalonians, he says it again here, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For, the sin is, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, this is just unbelievable. On that day, that trumpet blast happens. Not only the dead in Christ raised, but we get transformed. We get transported to meet the Lord in the air. And in that same instant, our bodies will be transformed to eternal bodies. They'll never die again. Now the rest of that, the first part of that passage here, I have a few verses that are key. If you want to know how much better the bodies are, he says, well, hey, I want you to understand that... that um, you got to look at our heavenly bodies the same way you would as a, as a plant that grows when, after you plant a seed. If you took a kernel of corn, and you took that one little kernel and put it in the ground, but you'd never seen a corn stalk, a 10-foot-tall corn stalk from Indiana. And somebody took you out to Indiana, a cornfield, and you saw all these giant stalks of corn. You go, where'd that come from? It came from these little seeds. You're kidding me. Mm-mm. You plant that seed in the ground, this is what comes out. He said... That's the same way it'll be with our heavenly bodies. What we, put, what we have now, these bodies we have now, are like dry little seeds. Our heavenly bodies would be like that 10-foot corn stalk. Amazing. Amazing. So if you're sitting there going, oh my goodness. See, my mom and dad, my dad passed away. He was dealing with uh, dementia and a whole lot of problems. My mom passed, and she was dealing with liver cancer. Both of them were in their 80s. And I never got to say goodbye to my dad. I was trying to get up there, and he passed away before I could get there. My mom, I got to see her, my kids, my wife and I, we all got to say goodbye to mom. And she said, we'll see you soon. I mean, she's a believer. I mean, I cannot, I can't tell you how much I look forward to this day because it won't be my dad and I always tell my boys I wish you'd have seen your dad like when I was a kid my dad was so strong my mom was too these were German farm women who milked cows by hand man you messed around they grabbed you by the shoulder they could they could bring you to your knees okay these were <laughs> these were some strong I mean the men were strong and the women were stronger okay and it's like you're going oh these are strong people but my boys remember them old I go, oh, man, you never saw Grandpa in his prime. That man was something. Well, he's going to be way better than that. I mean, I, I want you to be so excited for this day. I want you to be more excited than rapture chocolate brownies or whatever it is. I want you to be excited about this. 
We'll have brand new bodies that will enable us to stand in the very presence of God. We'll be reunited with the ones we love who've died in Christ before us. We will meet the Lord in the air. There'll be a trumpet blast that'll shake the whole world. Come out! And it's over. The pain and suffering are over. So, but here's the flip side of this. And we're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks that when the rapture comes, it's going to happen suddenly and unexpectedly. Now, this is terribly important. And it's why Paul wrote about it. Hey, we don't want you to be uninformed here. I mean, those who've died, Jesus is coming. I mean, you're right to be waiting. Well, we're 2,000 years since that letter was written. People ask me, do you think we're in the end times? I go, well, we're 2,000 years closer to it than when those letters were written. Yes, I think we are very close. I do. I honestly do. It could happen today. That's the way Jesus talked. This is Jesus explaining when all this is going to go down. He said, however, his disciples even asked him, Jesus, when is all this going to happen? And he said, no one knows the day or the hour when these things are going to happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. And in those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That's the way it'll be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, and the other left. When Paul wrote in the next chapter in his letter to the people in Thessalonica, he said this. This is from chapter 5. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't need to write you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. I mean, if you knew when your house was going to be broken into, you'd be waiting with the sheriff. But we don't know. And so the point is to always be ready. That's why Jesus told an interesting story here. Point E, at the rapture, Jesus will come for believers like a groom coming for his bride. Now, something you have to understand is the way we do weddings these days, the groom comes in first at the wedding, and then he waits for the bride. And the bride and her dad, they're behind closed doors or however it works, and the doors are open, and then the bride is escorted down by her dad to the groom. Well, in the days when Jesus was telling the following story, it wasn't that way. The groom would go prepare a house for he and his bride to live in and build it completely from scratch if necessary or refurbish it, whatever he needed to do. And then it was his job to not only get a place ready for them to move into, but to also have a feast prepared. And so he would arrange for animals to be slaughtered and bread to be baked, would have incorporated all of his friends and the whole village of people would have been working on this. And then when everything was ready, the animals were slaughtered and the meat was roasting and the bread was hot and all these things, when it was all getting ready, then he'd say, okay, I'm going to go get my bride, and I'll be back in a little bit. Then the groom and his attendants and some others would go to the bride's house, and they'd have a brief ceremony there at the bride's house. They'd have a ceremony, and then there would be a procession led by the bride and groom back to their new home, and there would be a big feast there at the new home. And it would sometimes last for a week, depending on how, much, how, much res- how many resources the groom had, how much he could afford. So the bride would wait for the groom 
And because, you know, things weren't microwavable or they, we didn't, they didn't have refrigeration like we do today, sometimes slaughtering the animals and other things, if it was bad weather and things would come up, things would be delayed. You knew the day he was coming, but you didn't know exactly the hour. And so you had to wait. And the bride and her bridesmaids would be waiting for the groom and his attendants to come get them, to take them, to take her home. Here's Jesus. Right, when he's, right after he's explained about that it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah, he goes into this story, or Matthew records this story next. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. In the margin, you can write the words midnight cry. If you've ever heard the expression midnight cry, it comes from that verse. Midnight, the groom's coming for his bride when people had fallen asleep. Well, all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Well, then the five foolish ones asked the others, hey, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. He called back, believe me, I don't know you, so you too must keep watch. You don't know the day or the hour of my return. Jesus said it's going to be a joyous celebration, but there needs to be preparation, spiritual preparation. Are we prepared for this? It's too late when the day is at hand. And there are many people who do this with spiritual things. Oh, yeah, I mean, right now I'm just kind of busy. I mean, one day we'll get back involved in church stuff. One day we'll start reading the Bible. One day, maybe... I mean, it's kind of like the story of the two boys out playing in the front yard. They'd always play in the front yard, and, and uh, one of the boys, his grandmother, would come over after school and watch him, and she'd sit out on a rocking chair and read her Bible every day. And one day his friend asked him, hey, Grandma reads the Bible a lot. Why does she do that? And the other boy said, oh, she's just cramming for her finals. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> the idea is simply this, is that it's like, when that trumpet sound, that trumpet blast happens, you can't cram a relationship with God. This is something you're prepared with now. I mean, to surrender our hearts to the Lord, when we become aware that the Lord is the one who died for us on the cross, he paid for all our sins, that the Lord is the one who himself took the penalty that should have been ours because he loves us so much, that the Lord is the one who's preparing a place for us, that he conquered death in the grave, and one day he's coming back to get us. Well, and that he's the one who gives us the Holy Spirit to place the Holy Spirit inside of our hearts to change us from the inside out. Well, when we realize all this, we need to respond. And that brings us to the big life application for this whole message. It's urgent that we commit our lives to Jesus as our Savior and Lord. There's a whole lot more I'm going to say about the second coming over the next few weeks, but let me just take care of this one today. It's urgent that I'm prepared for that day, that I have a relationship with Jesus, that I'm spiritually ready means I've surrendered my life to Christ. I've confessed my sins to him. And so, Lord, I give you control of my life. 
I want you to save me. I want you to guide me. I want you, I surrender every part of my life to you so you can empower me and make me the person I need to be. 2 Corinthians 6, Paul said, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. God says, at just the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I mean, if you hear about all these things, wonderful new bodies reunited with the believers who've gone before us, Jesus is keeping his promise. He's prepared a place for us in heaven. He's coming to get us. The groom is coming for his bride, and it could happen any minute. He goes, now that you know all these things, don't ignore it. The right time is now. Jesus said to all who believed him, or John records in here about Jesus, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. That's John 1.12. John 5.24, Jesus himself said, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They'll never be condemned for their sins. They've already passed from death into life. And in 1 John 5.11, John said, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who doesn't have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know. So you can be sure. I mean, we're all aware that there was a terrible, devastating tornado in Lee County. And 23 people died. And it was a devastating storm. Well, from those things, you and I can learn that there will be other storms that are coming again. And we need to be prepared for them. Imagine if you were sitting with someone and the tornado sirens started to blow and they got their keys and walk out the door. Where are you going? Well, I'm going to Lowe's to go buy one of those storm shelters. It's too late. The sirens are blowing now. That's not the time to go shopping for storm shelters. If you and I are going to prepare for the next storm, the time is now. If you and I are going to prepare for eternity, the time for spiritual preparation is now, today, without delay. This is not a game. The promises of God are real. Jesus really did die on a real cross. He really did rise from the dead. He really is in heaven preparing a real place for us, and he really is coming back really soon. Really. And I want us to be aware of that. And so today, it's just this. I want us to spend a little time praying for us together today. If this is a decision that you have put off, don't put it off anymore. And we're going to have some pastors here uh, they'll come forward today. We'd love to pray with you. This is the best thing that we can possibly do with our lives. Yield them to Christ. But it's not a decision to be made lightly either. And if you want to talk to someone, we'd be glad to talk with you. Because to follow Christ means to live for him. If you'd like to come and pray with someone today for a son, a daughter, a friend, someone who's far from the Lord, we'd love to pray with you about that too. But this is urgent, and it is not to be put off. So we could have 
if I could have some of our staff, if you guys would come forward here. We're going to be up front, and we want to pray with you today, even as um, we have a worship song um, that will be led in. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, I don't have any better news than the news of the rapture. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful to keep your promises. I thank you, Jesus, that you're going to return just the way you went up into heaven and that when everything's ready, you're coming. We're 2,000 years closer to that event than when these words were penned. And so, Lord, I know that you are coming soon. Father, I pray that the words of Jesus, which are startling, that you will come unexpectedly and unannounced, I pray that those words would still startle us and cause us to examine where we stand with you. There's no cramming for finals when the trumpet sounds. And gracious God, I pray that today you would awaken our hearts to this truth. Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus. We thank you that he died in our place. We thank you that through a relationship with him, not only will our sins be forgiven and we have eternal life, but Lord, you bless us with brand new bodies that will never die again. And we'll be reunited with all the believers who've gone before us. This is unbelievably good news. And so God, right now, I just pray for all of us here. If there is, if there is the indecision in your life, if you've been putting this off, saying, well, i got plenty of time, surrender your heart to Christ right now and say, God, I give my heart to you. And if there is someone you love who is far from the Lord and they've been putting this decision off, pray for them right now and say, oh, God, I pray for my best friend. I pray for my sister. I pray for my son. Oh God, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that we can always come to you and you are faithful. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I was...